When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, it's Ashley Kane here. This podcast contains real and difficult conversations around eating disorders and suicide. Please only listen if it feels safe for you. Life is sort of strangely more tricky when you know better. Welcome to Fierce Minds, Kind Hearts, the podcast. An inspirational, motivational podcast to strengthen you, to inspire you, to make you believe that no matter what you're going through in this world, that you are strong enough to overcome it with a fierce mind and a kind heart. In this podcast, we'll be exploring some amazing people's tough struggles, but also their amazing moments so that you can relate, so that you can understand and so that you can implement some of these values into your life to help you with your own personal situations. Let's go, champ. I want you to know with this podcast that you're not the only one that's going through the things that you're going through and we can help you. Listen up, learn and have an amazing journey. Let's go champs. Now with today's guest, I kind of threw away the bio or the script to do this introduction because I'll be honest, she played a massive part in my life now in finding out that I can be a voice to the people that come from where I come from. She gave me my first opportunity to talk and explain my journey and understand how I could help people from it. This lady is one of the nicest ladies I know, and I know that you guys are going to learn a lot and enjoy this episode. So, Fern Cotton, welcome. Well, I'm going to cry, aren't I now? God, wow, thank you. That's very kind of you. I mean, I had to look down when I said that. I was looking at the mic because I couldn't <laughs> look into your eyes because I thought, oh, I don't want to start crying because we did that last time. We did, and it was really impactful for everybody obviously for the listeners you know massively for me and I feel privileged that I was even a tiny part of this amazing process that you've been working through and that you're still working through and I'm sure you will forever and that you're including everybody in this incredibly expansive journey that you're on I feel very lucky that I you know, got to chat to you at that point because yeah. I know it was very, very early days for you. Yeah, very early. And and I'm just very grateful that we got to have that conversation. So am I. I mean, do you know what? One way I, I usually like to start my days is early in the morning, probably annoyingly so to my friends or my family. But if I'm feeling a good vibe that day, I'll ring at least five people that I know just to give them some positive vibes, some energy. I think everybody also needs to know, you know, how important they are. So I guess for me, I wanted to kind of start this off and say, when I came on your show, it was the first time that I'd been out and around people. I was nervous because not only had I watched you on TV for years, but I was aware of how big you are and important you are when you think of the United Kingdom for people outside. So I didn't really know how to act, but I was surprised about how loving, how caring, how kind you were and empathetic towards my situation. And I just want to show my appreciation, not only for that, but like I said in the introduction, you gave me an opportunity to talk to speak to somebody that wasn't my family, that weren't my friends, for me to understand that, you know what, yeah, I am worthy 
I am strong, I am powerful, and I do have a voice for the people that come from where I come from. And that was completely fun, down to you and how you hosted that setting and how you made me feel comfortable. So, you know, that is something that I'll, I'll be forever grateful for. And I'm really, really honoured to have you on today's podcast. And like I said to you before, slightly nervous, but I'm sure we'll work <laughs> through that. Um, uh, well, honestly, I that it just blows me away because, you know, I didn't do a thing. Yes, I opened up the, the happy place space for you to tell your story, but that's, for me, an absolute honour every time I get the opportunity to have somebody willing to go there. And you were, you know, I... I very much appreciate the fact that you turned up with your story and you were ready to tell it and it was painful and it was difficult to say those words out loud, but you did. And it's obviously in turn helped so many people as has all the other work you're doing. And and I guess this is it, isn't it? You you realise there is so much power and healing in just talking. It's not going to fix everything. It's not going to fix the problem, but there is some... There's an amazing, yeah, power in having a chat, you know, whether it's on a podcast or not. Like you say, ringing your mates in the morning, what a gorgeous thing to do to boost other people. And I think we forget because sometimes when we're feeling particularly low, we shut off. And and maybe it's because we don't want to burden other people. Maybe it's because we think, you know, we don't have a right to reach out to other people or maybe we assume that there's no one at the other end of the phone. I, I believe there always is. Yeah. There's always some one person at least and they are willing to listen and, and they want to help. They just, you know, maybe they haven't shown that, expressed that to you, but I think it's really important to talk. I think sometimes as well, it, you know, I just kind of like to be unapologetically myself. So, you know, if I'm feeling good, if I'm feeling strong, I'm going to project that onto you whether you want it or not. And then at least I know I've been me and I've done what I needed yeah. to do. But I also can look in the mirror and know that I'm not trying to mean no harm. I'm trying to lift everyone around me because God knows like a lot of us need it and so do I. Yeah. And I'm happy that you brought up um, happy place in that because I've had a lot of conversations over the last couple of days about happiness, yeah. So revolving around happiness and happy place, how would you describe your happy place in a world of so much kind of trauma and turmoil and adversity. What is happy place about and what is your idea of happy place? Yeah, it's huge, isn't it? Um, I think my answer is probably going to be different on any given day. Yeah. I think if I look at it in a sort of work capacity with what I want happy place to be, yeah, it is all about connection and storytelling. And knowing from the work that I've been doing over the last five years, there are so many people out there who feel lonely. And it doesn't have to mean loneliness in the sense of they don't have anyone around them, lonely in their experience, in their experience of mental health, of pain, circumstance, whatever it might be. So from, like, you know, someone hearing your story who has been through something similar will feel less alone in that from hearing you and then might look for help themselves or look to talk to somebody else. But they'll certainly be boosted by someone else's shared experience. So I think whether it's the festivals that we're putting on, the app that we've now released, the podcast that is really the backbone of all of it, the books that I'm writing and the books that we're publishing, all of it is about storytelling and about connection and people not feeling alone because... You know, in my own way, when I was feeling in a very, very dark place, I felt absolutely alone. And I didn't think that anybody else had felt those feelings before you get quite sort of weirdly pinpoint focused on your pain and nobody else has felt like this. And of course, millions of people have. 
And that hopefully allows you to feel empowered rather than sort of squashed by it. And equally with the anxiety that I've felt or panic attacks, I honestly thought that I was the first person to have ever had a panic attack. I was like, no one's ever felt like this before. I'm a freak. There's something wrong with me. (laughs) And then you talk to people and the most, you know, unexpected people in my life, not well-known people, just regular friends of mine have said, oh, God, I've been having the same for years or... One friend of mine who's in her 70s now said, oh, God, at your age, I was having them all the time trying to juggle everything. And I had not expected that. So I think that's the crux of what I'm trying to do at work. In terms of happy place in life... Your happy place. Yeah. What's your idea of happy place? That one's harder because... Can I interrupt you? Yeah, please. Because the reason I say it is because I even spoke about it upstairs. Yeah, and I think that's why happy place is a very good term. And my interpretation of happy place is, you know, I believe in life. So you might look at me as cynical. I don't think there's such thing as a complete happiness to life. I think you have happy moments, you have happy memories, you have happy places. And it's important for you to understand that and realise where those happy places are, how to access your happy moments and to reminisce sometimes and sit in your happy memories. And I think it's kind of difficult and I think it's unrealistic to believe that, you know, you're going to live a life full of happiness because there's so many things on a day-to-day basis, sorry, that are willing to, you know, sucker punch you into being winded, into being knocked out and into feeling so low that you don't want to get back up. So I guess what I'm trying to say to you is how did you seem to find your happy place and how would you encourage people out there to, you know, not... Just expect that life's going to be easy, that it's going to be happy. And if it's not, you have to be sad. But how would you kind of explain to people or how people find a happy place and what is yours and how do you do that in your own life? Well, for a start, I don't think you're being cynical at all. I think it's acute observation of how happiness works, that we're going to have moments of happiness and they could come out of the blue. They might be one second long. It might last a whole day, but it's not something tangible and it's not something we can contain It's fleeting, and that's the beauty and the pain of it. And I was having this conversation with someone last week who said every time they try and think about happy memories, which is supposedly a good idea, they instantly feel sad because that happy moment has passed or it ended badly. And I think it is tricky because it's ephemeral. It's not everlasting. And... There's still this weird sort of societal narrative that if you go down this particular path of whatever it might be, getting the right job, finding the right partner, whatever, all these things are meant to tick off a list, that then you will feel happy. What a load of shit. First of all, you'll find your own path, but also you can't then be happy and it lasts forever. It's an emotion. It's fleeting. It's like anger. It's like sorrow. It's all the... The, the complexities of being a human. But like anything, it's consistency in your pursuit to that. You know, if you want financial freedom or you want freedom within your work, you have to be consistent in attaining that and earning that and building your team or the people around you or what you want to do. And it's the same with, you know, combating stress, depression, anxiety, or if you want to seek happiness. It's not something that you're going to go to bed with one night anxiety and wake up without it the next morning. Totally. It's not like you're going to go to bed sad one night and wake up happy the next morning. It's a conscious effort every single day to try and create that environment around you, right? Yeah, and I think you try to attain, I guess, foundations that allow you to reach for those things more easily. But again, it's still not a fixed feeling that you'll have forever. It's something that you might 
you might feel it more often or maybe you'll feel less sorrow or less anxiety. But I don't think you can eradicate any of those supposed negatives and I don't think you can attain just positive feelings all the time. I think when we set ourselves up for that, we fall short constantly and then load on top of all of that guilt or shame or I'm not good enough or whatever. So I think it's interesting to talk to you about this today because I have had that very cliche, like January, uh, you know, I've been a bit negative, you know, I've probably let slide some of the things I know that work for me. I haven't been meditating every day. I've just been a bit like in a bit of a funk for no reason. I'm quite happy to admit that, you know, I understand how it works and I know it will pass and then there'll be you know, other things. But I, I also think it depends on, it depends on so many factors. I'm, I'm at an interesting age. I'm kind of, I'm 41. I've had a very long career so far because I started so early. And I'm at a place where I'm sort of questioning everything. Yeah. Like, why am I doing this? And, you know, and looking at things that I used to believe in, like yeah. fame or you know, the mainstream media, I used to totally believe in the whole hierarchy and how it worked. And I don't believe in those things anymore. So I'm looking at everything. I'm really like excavating all of it. Like, why am I doing this? Why am I reaching for that? Will that make me feel any better if I succeed in these areas? Maybe not. So I'm I'm at a really weird time where I'm questioning a lot. And I'm constantly learning about emotions and happiness so I don't know if I've got solid answers I have happy places as in geographically that I like going to and they're all obvious ones being by the sea being out in nature walking I can land on happy memories but the rest of it I'm as clueless as everyone else I'm just fumbling through and trying to learn from brilliant people that I speak to about it yeah with this period of your life where you're, you know, you kind of feel like it, things are a little bit slightly up in the air, do you think it's important not to put pressure on yourself during those times? Because I would say, you know, there's so many things in this world that we don't know. And there's, mm. like you said, something that you believed in 20 years ago is not something that you believe in now. So there's no like kind of strict rule to this. There's no like what you should be doing or what you shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. It's a kind of a, a place where you need to find peace in your process of finding who you are and what you want to do for the next step of your life, right? Yeah, and it's hard. You know, I think it's really hard to find that acceptance that you are okay as you are right now sat here today. Because most of us assume there's a better us in the future that's more together or has achieved more or has found more inner peace. And maybe that is true, but also maybe it's not. Maybe... We can just land on I'm okay with all the flaws and regrets and mistakes made right now. And I think it is very tricky to land in that place. And I, I, I certainly try. <laughs> Do you think it, as well, that it, I heard something about it the other day and like, sorry if I get this a little bit wrong, but it's called the region beta paradox. Have you heard about it? No, that? tell me. Okay, so... You're in a, I, can, I can use you as a perfect example because I spoke to you. You're in a state now where, you know, things aren't bad. Like, you've got great things in your life. Do you know what I'm trying to say? But then you're at, like, a certain point where you're not quite sure of where the future lies or you're not quite sure how things could be better. So it's not bad. It's not absolutely amazing. You're kind of floating around in the middle. Yeah. And it could be used as an example of if I had a mile to travel, I'd probably walk that mile. If I had two miles to travel, I'd probably get in the car. So that shows that the harder something is doesn't necessarily mean it's worse. Now, the region beta paradox kind of means that 
some people can come off better or recover better or quicker from worse situations than they can do from less worse ones mm. because there's a force spark initiative to change it. So if you're in a job and, you know, your pay's okay and your boss is a bit of a dick and your colleagues you don't really like them, but it's all right, you probably sit in that job for 20 years. Mm. Whereas if something really bad happened in that job, you'd be forced to spark something that would get you out and move on. Which never... I very much did. Yeah. You know, I did that f well, whenever I left Radio 1. Not, I'm not blaming Radio 1, but I had other shit going down that absolutely I've felt that spark yeah. of I've got to, I'm jumping out my skin. Yeah. I've got to get out and I've got to change. And I can totally understand, you know, that, that being a huge incentive to make change out of necessity. And it's yeah. very much, you know, what you've talked about a lot, having to reach for the positives, having to set yourself these massive goals yeah. and to keep moving forward and for that process to be ever turning. Whereas I think you're absolutely right. You know, that theory really rings true that when you're just a bit unsure, it feels like there's almost more risk because you don't want to fuck things up yeah. and ruin what you have created. Uh, but, but equally... You're in, a, you're in a chasm of complacency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, yeah. you know, where you're not tipping. Like you, if, like you say, you, you could be in a relationship and then you, you could you could be in a relationship where, you know, your partner does your head in, you know, he tries to be controlling, he doesn't really want you doing this, but the relationship's not that bad. Then you could be in a relationship where your partner's abusive. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, and you're going to get out of that one yeah. pretty quick. So, so either one, the job or the relationship, is better if you're not in them. Yeah. But if it's good, you stay in it. If yeah. it's bad, you get out of it. If you're in this region beta paradox, you're paradoxically just floating around in some kind of subconscious state yeah. where you're neither here or there. Do you know what's interesting as well? I had this chat with someone yesterday where life is sort of strangely more tricky when you know better. So yeah. back in the day, I didn't have a fucking clue, right? Yeah. So I I was just, oh, yeah, I want to be famous. Or I want to be really successful in telly. And, oh, it's great. You just climb the ladder and you just work hard and there's a system and it seems to work. Yeah. And then you get to the end of it and go, oh, I'm still the same person with all the flaws and all the mad stuff in my head. Yeah. And when you know better, which I really do now because I'm having mad conversations every day with people and learning from these brilliant minds... I want to be making choices that are absolutely right for me and the people that I'm delivering the information to, and I want to be helpful. I don't want to do jobs that are going to ruin the planet or the environment around me. I don't want to have conversations that are jarring or triggering for people. These things were not even on my radar back in the day. So it's all quite simple. Yeah. It was a simple equation. You play the game in the showbiz world, and then there is an outcome that you're yeah. all shiny on the telly. There isn't a game now. It's my moral compass leading me the way. And I just need to make good decisions to ensure that I'm doing my absolute best. Because I see it as a privilege that I have this platform. Yeah. I don't take it lightly. I don't take it for granted. So I better be doing my absolute best to ensure that I'm using it to the optimum so that yeah. people are getting the resources that are so desperately needed. So I think it gets trickier when you know better. I'm in that weird place now of I, I know so much about what's a good idea and what's not a good idea and what works and what doesn't. So I need to keep walking down that road, basically. But there's a certain pressure that comes with that, isn't there, as well? Yeah, huge amounts. You know, because I can kind of say similar, like, before I had my daughter, you, you could say that, you know, as, as a man in his 20s, there'd be loads of kind of kids out there who would think, yeah, that's the life I want to live. And don't get me wrong, it was fun. It was enjoyable. But 
during that time when I look back, I was never ever conscious to this world or life. You know, I was never conscious to consequences. I wasn't conscious to how much you need to affect people in a positive way. I wasn't conscious to actually looking in the mirror and seeing if I could take myself seriously or be proud of the person looking back. And then since what happened happened, I always have to think now, like everything I do is a defining moment. And I kind of think knowing what I know, if I don't choose to do and follow this path, what does that say about me? Yeah. And it's a lot of pressure, but you know, in the same way, I kind of am fine with that. Where do you think your fierce mind kind of started? Because for me, like you started TV when you were 15, right? And you were kind of in a world which probably wasn't really you, even yeah. though you were in it. Yeah. So where did your fierce mind start? And why do you think it was important at the time or even now for you to have adopted that, if you believe that could be the case? Yeah, well, I think I'm very lucky that I've, I've looked at this quite a lot recently, weirdly, with a project that I'm working on. But I've got a very tenacious mum who is like, go get it, go do it, yeah, you know, like always been like that. And just don't, you know, just go and do it sort of thing. And don't be boring, never be boring, just do it. Yeah. And my dad, who's so laid back, he's the most chilled, laid back, lovely person. They're both lovely, but he's a very, very lovely, chill back guy. So I've had this interesting observations very subconsciously growing up, yeah. sort of seeing them both work very, very hard from a working class family, very regular suburban background. And seeing my mum was like working three jobs at any one time. My dad was a sign writer his whole career. That, I think, impacted me more than I know. I think it's like most people, your childhood sort of defines a lot for you. And then you unpick it yeah. as an adult in a good way and a, a slightly trickier way. Yeah. Um, so I think moving out of the comfort of a regular family upbringing, going to a regular school and being thrown into this world of telly with a lot of adults, you know, I wasn't around many kids and there was a lot of pressure. Yeah. I enjoyed all of it as a kid, like my teen years, it was just all exciting and fun. But I think it was in my 20s where I probably started to get a bit of imposter syndrome, like I shouldn't really be here presenting Top of the Pops or whatever it was. Why, why, why was that? I think I just felt too ordinary. I'm just some regular person. And, you know, my perspective was everyone on the stage is singing, all the pop stars or other presenters were sort of shiny, special people. Yeah. And I was just some regular person. So that was this split in me where all sorts of craziness started. You know, that's at that age, at the age of 19. Yeah. I don't know what the language is, but I turned to bulimia. That was a coping mechanism for whatever oh. reason because I needed some sort of release. or so I can't even work out what it was, but that yeah. was at 19, started doing more adult TV, assumed that I shouldn't really be there. Again, probably quite subconsciously, yeah. but it manifested in bulimia. And that was about on off. It was very bad for a few years, but 10 years on off, I was sort of dealing with that. Wow. And I think it was largely due to feeling very uncomfortable in a lot of the jobs I was doing and the the pressure and, you know, I think we all still have this idea that the, te the world of TV is so glamorous and all, whatever. Not everybody will, but it is a general consensus. It's not. It's nasty. Yeah, it's not. It's really it's not. nasty and it's, you know, I have been sacked. It's not. I have been sacked from more TV shows than anyone I know without being told. You don't get told you're being sacked. You're just not on the show anymore. How could anyone sack you? I've been sacked so many times. Are you kidding me? I'm 
was sacked recently. It happens all the time. It's hence why I don't do it anymore. Yeah. I can't be in that environment. But I don't think I was surviving very well in that environment. You know, I found yeah. it very, very difficult to deal with. And then moving into live radio, you've got that pressure of being live to millions of people every day. You know, again, a privilege, a brilliant job, met loads of amazing people. That's my disclaimer. But the pressure is at times insurmountable. You say one thing wrong, you're done. Yeah. It's like walking on a tightrope. You say one thing wrong, your career Game over. is over. I mean, that this is, is cancel horrendous. Cult, cancel culture of today. Yes. Yeah. It's very it's dangerous. It's it, dangerous. It is awful. It's awful and it's totally unnecessary because we're humans. We're all going to say stupid shit. We're all going to make bad decisions. I've made millions. Yeah. And hopefully, if you can pick yourself back up from it, you'll learn from it and you'll make new choices. And that's part of being human. But cancel culture is... Awful. And it's why I don't do live radio or telly. I don't want to be in that environment. So I think the fierce mind, if I can even say I've got one now, is again out of necessity because I can't be in that world. I've had to create something different because I want to be creative. I want to support my family. I want to push myself in different ways. I want to meet interesting people. I want to learn. If I want to do all those things and I don't want to do telly or radio, I've got to create it somehow out of nothing. And that's what I'm still trying to do now. So I've done it out of absolute necessity with a bit of oomph from my mum. Region Beta. Paradox. Yes, there we go. I love that. Yeah. I'm going to read up on yeah, that more. Definitely. I love I it. I should read up on it more. I thought it sounded cool at the time. <laughs> the, the thing, the thing is, for it's like look, look at. Um, I think when, when I use the term fierce mind and I, and I ask some people, you get some people, you get some guys in here, or you get some girls in here who who find it really easy to talk about it because a lot of people think I mean fierce mind by being like an absolute grizzly bear or a tiger. I don't mean that. I mean, you know, the resilience that comes with a fierce mind. Sometimes, no matter what's going on around you, you have to tap in. You have to be instinctive. You have to be willing to go that extra yard. You have to be strong enough and brave enough not to quit at some points. But then also, you need to be courageous enough that when you do need to, you need to take that extra step to get where you need to be. So I think for me, like, it's evident that you have a fierce mind because not only did you start TV at such a young age but you found yourself in a position and in a place where you didn't feel like you were at home mm. and you managed to last such a long career and be amazing in it for such a long time despite probably the values that you felt or how you were being treated at the time and that required a fierce mind but then it was also necessary because if you didn't do that you wouldn't have built the platform that you could have now, which has enabled you to really show and portray your kind heart. Yeah, yeah. Because everything that you do now, I believe, and what I see, is to bring people together, to help them find their happy place, to make them feel like they're not alone, to show them a way that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Do you understand? I think there's... You know, it was necessary. Yeah, it, absolutely. I wouldn't be able to do any of this if I hadn't felt horrendous. There's absolutely yeah. no way I would have the understanding of pain or depression or whatever, I wouldn't be able to have the conversations I'm having. So there has been a massive fat silver lining to all of it. And it's very much, you know, there's obviously, I think cool people will call it a pivot, where you need pivot. to just like move and go in a different direction. And I had no idea I was going to do any of this. It was not a plan from back in the day that I would have another start of my career and do this happy place stuff. 
it was born out of absolutely like nothing. I'd left yeah. all the jobs I was doing, wasn't feeling great mentally. I mean, I still don't some days now, but not to the extent of how I felt then. Can, can I ask you a question, though, mm. because I'm going to make a comment after this or share an opinion, but I'd like to know, you know, something from you first. You know, you talked about the bulimia. I mean, that's one thing that I don't really know a lot about. I don't really know what sparks it, and I, I wouldn't really know, you know, how to recognise it. or get, I'd know how to recognise it, but I wouldn't know how to get out of it. When did you kind of realise? I know you probably understood, but when did you realise and how did you manage to recover, get yourself out, pull yourself over that ledge to be here now? Yeah, I you mean... Know, there's a lot of people out there that are suffering. Oh, completely. That's I, I, I do sometimes worry that I don't talk about it enough because yeah. I know there will be lots of people even listening to this now who will be dealing with it. And yeah. it's a very secretive illness yeah. because that's part of it that people don't know and that you don't want people to find out and you go to great lengths to make sure no one finds out because I do think part of it is about control and that you're trying to take control back yeah that's you know not something I recognized in the moment I, in the moment first of all I think I just sort of had discovered this thing and I thought why doesn't everyone do this yeah which sounds awful to say out loud, but that was how I felt back then. Why does everyone do this? This is just like the easiest way to feel an instant release. And I never massively binged because I think there are varying types of how bulimia manifests. Some people, you know, really binge and then they purge. Yeah. And I didn't binge so much. I just felt I had to purge after most things that I'd eaten. Yeah. But I think, you know, hopefully it's helpful to those that are dealing with it. I felt very out of control in it. But I also at the time didn't feel any worry, concern for my health. It was just I, I had to do it and I needed it and it was mine and it was secret and I had this element of control. So it was, you know, very relentless, I'd say, for a, a couple of years. It's all quite blurry because it's not sort of great to look back on, but yeah. a couple of years. And then it became almost a way to relieve immense stress that I was probably feeling due to the job or other things that were going on in relationships that I would go maybe weeks or maybe months without doing it and then it would be I can't cope and it would be my oh, I'm okay now I'm okay and I think probably in my later 20s I thought oh, it's probably not great that I'm doing this and I'd had some gum issues which is obviously just due to that acidity in your vomit that yeah. is you know, not good for your teeth and your gums. And I thought, must be doing some other not great things within my body. So I started to become a bit more aware of that and just diet in general, because in my 20s, I ate very badly and I drank. My whole sort of looking at my nutrition was just not great. I had a very dysfunctional relationship with all of it. I think a lot of us could, you know. Yeah, I think it's, it's the part, part of it's your 20s and you drink and you go out. And learning. Yeah, learning and yeah, all of that. And I just didn't understand the importance of it. And I think also how it's probably affected me mentally, because obviously mentally you feel terrible when you've got physical imbalance or your nutrition's out. And I just didn't put the two and two together. And it can still be today the thing that goes the quickest, sleep and nutrition, if I'm not feeling great. They're the two things I've got to really watch. I barely slept last night. I'm in that period now where I need to look at all the basics and go, right, something needs shifting. I'm like that. Yeah. I, 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 I suffer with um, uh, sleep apnea and sleep paralysis quite oh. a lot. 
I think it's because I find it hard to sleep. I think it's because I don't sleep that often. So when I do sleep, it's not that great. And it's really hard. Really, I don't really know how to change that. I don't. Because there's usually a pathway to a lot of things. And it's like, I can't say that, you know, I don't work hard or I can't say that I don't tie myself out because I'll get up at four, you know, go to bed at yeah. 12. You know, I have four hours sleep, so I'm, I'm really, really tired. But, you know, trying to get to sleep, trying to get that good sleep when you've got a lot on your mind and a lot that you want to do is very difficult. I, I almost think that you have to, in those moments, go, I just don't sleep well. Because there's yeah. nothing more irritating than someone going, have you tried lavender spray? And yeah. you're like, are you fucking joke crazy have i tried lavender spray i've got eight thousand thoughts in my head yeah. lavender spray is literally not going to touch the sides yeah. and i think when you've been through anything traumatic you know what you've been through not that long ago how are you meant to process that cognitively but don't and you find think, peace but don't you think that's okay though of course it's okay it's completely okay because it's it, fucking tiring it, it's tiring <laughs> but it's okay you know, but if you don't see it as like you know a lot a lot of the problems and the issues that i have in my life yet yeah, i don't really see them as problems you know because mm. I, I, I quantify the problem i'm like you know you know in the grand scheme of things it's not really an issue like i, I want to make a difference in this world you know what i mean i'm chasing everyone's different some people's favorite color is red some people's blue neither is right you know the way i choose to live my life is cause and effect it's causality of what's happened to me and you know the effect is who i want to be now in this world and, it, and it's all like this ideology of like quantifying things i, th I think you have to quantify like i'll go to my daughter's resting place every night as i've told you before it was me and my mom that were down there the other night and um there was another guy and his girlfriend like he's a young lad recently lost his mom so we have a little community down there like i've told you about before and um i got down there a bit later they were all talking and they, they were trying to catch me out right so they were like oh you know, like, how far do you think the stars are away? You know what I mean? I love shit like that. I was like, you know, you're talking about 40 trillion kilometres away. Oh, OK. How um, how many times can the Earth fit into a star? I was like, well, probably six quadrillion times. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, when I was a kid, anything to do with planes, solar system, animals, yeah. I'd read and I'd look at, you know, I'd, I'd take an interest. I always go deep into situations. Because I knew my mum was feeling down. I knew this kid was feeling down. And, you know, not so much down to just, you know, Xavier, but the other things that life can throw at you. And I said, you know, you stare up at these stars, yeah? And I said, like, you look at them 40 trillion kilometres away. Yeah, the Earth could fit into it, like, six quadrillion times. I said, you can't even quantify that. Nope. You can't, you can't quantify it. That's what we can see. I said, so you can go further, and you can go further, and you can go further again. I said, so when, when you start taking off the, the trillions of kilometres, you know, down to little old us. And then you realise kind of what your problems are. You start to begin to put into perspective how insignificant they really are in terms of life and in terms of this universe. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, but I don't think many people have the expansiveness that you do. I think that's why, you know, because I can get myself in an absolute flap about not sleeping and think I'm the only person awake in the UK at that time, ridiculously. Yeah, but but this but this is a big problem. This is a big problem, isn't it? Like, you know, we like some of the 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 trauma that you you know you've had in your life. You, you explained it. It was like there was, and I've done the exact same thing. You know, what I mean, you said that you kind of thought, you know, I'm the only person that's not sleeping right right now. I'm the only person that's felt like this. The true matter matter of fact is, yeah, <laughs> matter of fact, is that you're not. Yeah. 
So, you know, when your life changed, you know, like you decided obviously to step out what was causing you your sadness. And I believe that, you know, you kind of found your purpose in who you are and what you want to be now. But then having you found your purpose, you understand that this shit isn't all about you, right? Oh, my God. No, that's why I'm obsessed with it. But Yeah, you're obsessed with it. But then subsequently, your issue isn't that bad because you're, you're trying to use all the stuff that you've been through to help others to project positivity, to project light, yeah? And it's kind of like, you heard the, the something, it's an experiment with rats, yeah? So in America, they've done an experiment with rats. I don't know if you heard it. I don't know, go on. So they got a rat and they put the rat into water and they wanted to see how long it could tread water for. Now, it made it to 15 minutes before it gave up and started to drown. So they took the rat out of the water, you know, dried it off, gave it some food, let it have a little bit of a rest. They picked the rat back up, put it in the water, Now you're thinking this rat's going to be fatigued, it's going to be scared, you know. It'll probably last 15 minutes, probably 10 minutes, you know. 60 hours later, the rat's still treading water. What? And the only conclusion they could come up with is it had hope. Mm. And you know, like, what you're doing now based on, you know, the stuff that you're doing, like, it's giving other people hope. It's not telling people, you know, it's okay to not be okay. It's not just telling people, you know what, talk. You know, you're speaking your life, not just all the good stuff, but the bad stuff. And you're not only speaking about your problems, you're showing a pathway to how you manage to solve that and overcome it. And then you're also spreading that to the people. And I think, you know, in life, I think something we always need to hold on to in this world is hope. When I was in the hospital with my daughter, all I had was hope. And with hope, and keeping hope and keeping belief and keeping faith. I wasn't worried about being happy every day. I wasn't worried about what I was missing out on. I wasn't worried about what I did have. I just sat in the moment, made the most of every second and had hope for the next day and that was enough. Yeah. You know, in my life now, I'm religious, I believe in God, you know? So that means that I have an idea of, you know, when you pass away, you go to heaven. If babies pass away, they got to go to heaven straight away. So I'm hoping now that I could do enough to get there, yeah. But all I've got is hope. I've got no facts. I've got hope. But for me, that's enough. I ain't searching for happiness. You ain't seen me in here. I'm not. You wouldn't call me a sad person, would you? Not uh, at all. You wouldn't call me a sad person, but I can't in the same way say I'm happy. But what I am is I'm content with who I am and the journey that I'm going on. Mm. And I think that's an important message as well. It's like spreading the right the right things, the necessary things. When you weren't happy in your work yet, it was necessary for you to make that transition. Yeah. You didn't necessarily do it because you wanted to do it or this was a journey I wanted to be on. You knew that you needed to get out. When you're talking about now, you you know that you're not, was it you're not doing your yoga and you, is it, yeah, what was it? The meditation has gone off the piece a bit, yeah. But you know, when on. you do that, you feel better. Yeah. You don't do it every day because you want to do it. You do it because it's necessary. Yeah. I said, I said this upstairs, all laughing at me. I said, it's on me having a shower. I said, I don't have a shower because I want to have a shower. I hate having a shower. Yeah, it's boring. So I have a shower because <laughs> I need to ask, I'm going to fucking stink. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's not me going out on my runs. It's like, you have to be fierce in your pursuit of doing what's necessary. You have to be competent in doing what's necessary so you can have build yourself worth. You know, else it's just temporary forms of just well, I think that's so important, what you've just said about... Um, Having a level of contentment with who you are is huge. Yeah. And I think we underestimate that because 
you know, like we just said, everybody's got shit going on. Everybody's got problems in varying degrees. And it is a really important thing to do that perspective exercise. Look up at the night sky if there aren't shitloads of clouds in the UK and go, oh, my God, I'm floating on a ball in space. And what is all this about? I yeah. think is always a leveller. It's amazing. But on top of that, I think if you can find that contentment with who you are, it doesn't even have to be self-love. But that contentment that you're making choices that work for you, that make yeah. you feel like you. Because I think so many decisions we make, probably in a cliched way, just growing up as well, yeah. is about trying to escape who you are. You want to be someone cooler, better, different. But if you can make decisions like you're doing with getting out and running or doing a huge physical goal... It's about knowing that you're acting from the most authentic place so you can look in the mirror and go, I like myself or I accept yeah. myself. And yeah. I think what makes it very hard to do that today, and this is such an obvious conversation social to have, media. is social media. Yeah. Is that you look and you think, fucking yeah. hell, everyone's having an amazing time. They all look so brilliant. They're on their fancy holidays. And I am so conscious to not post stuff that is going to make people feel worse. I don't want to do that because it's a millisecond and a fragment of reality. And we don't know what's going on in people's heads. I would rather break through all of that and go, you know, how are you feeling? Or, yeah. or have you tried this? Or listen to this person? Rather than falling into even more self-loathing because you're pitting yourself against... I mean, I, I do it and I know all of this shit. God. I look at it and I go, oh, fucking hell, they're all doing better than me at work or whatever silly thing I've yeah. decided to, you know, batter myself with that day. But if you can focus more on what you're talking about, doing that thing that makes you feel good, that makes you feel like you've, you're, there's purpose. And I'm not talking about purpose in a grand way, like... Yeah. I found my purpose and I'm healing the world. Your purpose could be being really nice to your next door neighbour every day yeah. or buying a, your mate a coffee every day. Like, it's your purpose is what comes from within you naturally. Being a great parent to your children, anything. Whatever it is, whatever it is, it's, it can be small, normal moments. It's not big, grand things. Because I, I did a talk on purpose recently and, and somebody had commented saying, oh, you know, it's all right for you finding your purpose. And I was like, no, 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 my purpose isn't just like doing happy place stuff it's the basic things of like deciding not to be a bitch yeah. on days where i feel really crap not reacting in a fiery way to a shitty email you know my purpose is sticking to my moral compass and my values as much as i can i'm not going to do it well every day but that's my purpose because yeah. that's who I am. It's who all of us are. Yeah. So it's not this big grand thing of and now I get to help millions of people. You know, that I can't quantify or boost my self-esteem with. But just trying to be a bit more me every day, that is the purpose there. Yeah, because you live, you live in your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're the, you're, the, you're the only person that has to live in your head, that has to live in your body every day. Yeah. I think, you know... A lot of us spend most of our try time, sorry, trying to impress other people. A lot of us spend most of our time, you know, trying to be looked at in their eyes in a great way, when we can't even look at ourselves in our own eyes and feel happy. Yeah, I it, still it do it. It starts with you. I have to be honest because I, I want to talk to you from a place of I haven't figured this shit out. Yeah, neither and, have I. Yeah, I, 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 we're, we're doing it. Like we're constantly. We're learning. Trying. We're, we're trying. trying. Yeah, but I will still have moments where I go right. Why am I really pushing myself at work today? Some of the time it will be because I genuinely, as I said, want to help and I want to deliver uh, helpful resources. 
some days I want to go, I'm going to show you assholes who sacked me at whatever TV channel. I'm going to show you that I'm worthy. I'm going to show you that I have intelligence and worth and that I belong here and I'm going to do it in the biggest way. And I have to catch myself when I'm doing that because like you say, they don't give a shit. And I'm the one that has to turn the light off at night and shut my eyes and try and sleep. Yeah. So why am I doing it? What are my reasons? Why am I saying yes to certain things? Why am I walking down certain paths? I want to get more finely tuned with making decisions that come from the Based right on place. You. Based yeah, on you. Exactly. It, it all, I, I kind of like, you know, speak freely now and I kind of think, you know, I don't need to rehearse interviews because I think, you know, if I just speak from me, I'm happy with that. I, yeah. I believe I'm a good enough person now. I like to think so, fingers crossed, whatever you want to call it, that, you know, I can speak from my heart. Do you know what I'm trying to say? And, I, I and, feel that you're doing that. Yeah. You are doing that. Yeah, but... and. And one thing, I'm a Libra. You're, you're Virgo, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, your starts at September. Cliche I'm the Virgo. Cliche Virgo. I've always kind of looked in my life and I thought, you know, like when you got star signs, you got Leo, like the lion, you got Scorpio, Scorpio. And I used to think, I'm fucking scale. How the <laughs> fuck, do, how, does, how does that ever make sense? You know what I mean? But I, I, I get it. I get it. Because, because of what's happened to me and because now, no matter how much money someone offers me, no matter what somebody does to me, I can remain like that every single time. If something's great, I'm just like, yeah, cool, what's going on tomorrow? If something's bad, I'm like, yeah, cool, what's going on tomorrow? If someone treats me in a really bad way, I'm like, yeah, cool. And the way I explained it, I had a conversation with Saf. You know, me and Saf, we're not together anymore, but we cope with things in different ways, but we remain really close and we're always going to be in each other's lives forever. But she was going through a bit of a situation. I said, like you know what's the most important thing, Zaf? I said, and it might seem really basic and really black and white, or, oh, it's not as easy as that, yeah? I said, but you have you, and you have either the person that you want to be or your goal. I said, so the easiest pathway to that is straight, like this. And I said, but, you know, what life's like, it's a bastard, it's a bitch, something's coming your way and take you off that path. I said, but if something knocks you over here, what's the quickest route? She goes back in and straight there. And I went, yeah, yeah, cool. Like that. I said, if someone knocks you there, where are you going to go? Back in and straight there. I said, exactly. So I said, so technically, does it matter what knocks you off your path? You're going to come back in yeah, to the straightest it. route to who you want to be in your goal. And I said, that's why it's important and why they say you always have to stay here. It's not down to being humble. Forget being humble. It's about... If you're so focused and your goal or the person you want to be or your target in the end means so much to you, it's fucking irrelevant what anybody does, what anybody says or what happens in your life because no one gives a fuck. Yeah. Yeah. And you're the only person that's got to live with it. So I just know that I prefer to make my journey as straightforward as possible. So I ain't going to let no one else or nothing else affect me anymore. I love that. I needed to hear that very much. Because I think I get easily knocked. And I do always get back on the path. But I might have had two weeks walking in the wrong direction. And I'm like, why did I just waste two weeks? feeling like riled or pissed off that there's an element of injustice in a dynamic or whatever's going on. Why didn't I just go, who cares, I'm back on it. And I think we probably all have, again, varying degrees of how much we can tolerate things and how quickly we get back on the path. And I'm sure down to what you've experienced, getting back on the path now 
is quicker because you've been to the depths of pain. You know, they, you can't feel any more pain. Yeah. So you're like, no, no, I'm going back on the path. I've been there. I'm, I'm, I'm back here well, now. I, I just know, I, I know I make comparisons to everything, you know. So I, I, I don't, the reason why I, I'd always say, you know, people say don't run away from your, pro you know, you shouldn't run away from your problems. No, you shouldn't. I think you should run head on into them. But yeah. I believe that you should never forget the, the trauma or forget these things because it can also give you a great form of perspective in everything going forward. My only example I can give to you on that one is, you know, I'm talking about this pathway. Yeah, so mine's a pathway to heaven. That's really what I give a fuck about, you know. I love my daughter that much and she means that much to me even now that there is nothing that can knock me off. So I always reflect things back to, you know, when she was in hospital, what am I worrying about? She was going through that, what am I worrying about? If I want to be the best daddy or I want to make it to heaven, you know, I've got a clear pathway. So then if I need to do anything in life or, you know, something difficult happens that day, I always relate it back to the path that I need to get on my daughter. Even if it's a hundred mile cycle or it's, you know, 10 trains got canceled, I need to get to London or anything. I just think where I need to go hasn't changed. So why is my mindset? I still need to get there. Just because something's happened, it doesn't make my destination less important. Mm. Just because something's happened, it doesn't mean I should feel sorry for myself to give myself an excuse to not go there. Because if I don't turn up and I don't fight and I blame everything else, what's gone against me, rather than focusing on the things that I still have to put it right, I'm the only person that's getting punished at the end of the day. And the reason why I do all of this stuff that I do is because I, people always say, stop punishing yourself, stop punishing yourself, stop doing this. I said, I'm not punishing myself. You know, because when something hard happens to me in my life now, I turn up and I fucking deal with it because I'm used to doing it every single day. I've catered myself to the point where, you know, that's not really an issue. If mm. I've got to get up three, I'll get up three. I've got to get up four, I'll get up four. I've got to do something for 18 hours a day, I'll do it. But then, in the grand scheme of things, it's not how everybody would want to live. But when I run into an issue now, it becomes very solvable to me because yeah. I don't get knocked off my pathway because my destination is still the same. Mm. It's so important to hear. I guess... The destination be... is still the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, that's why it's so important, I guess, to have an idea of where you're headed. And it doesn't have to, again, be... I guess, a definitive goal yeah. or that you are then this perfect person at the end of it with no flaws because we're always, like you say, life's going to knock you sideways and things yeah. are going to happen. Sorry. But it's good to have direction. So I guess for people listening, and I've certainly been in this place in a big way where you feel lost and you don't yeah. know where you're going, that's what you've got to work out, where you want to head, I guess. You've been to counselling for... I've done a lot of therapy. I, do you know what? I haven't done it recently to my detriment and I want to get back yeah. into doing it weekly. OK. And some of it still relates to trickier times in the past. Yeah. It's still, I think, oh, I'm not really bothered by that and then something will happen and it will get triggered. 
some of it is just maintenance, and I feel yeah. very fortunate saying these words out loud because there are massive waiting lists for people to have therapy. I'm very lucky that I have someone I can go to privately and do it. Yeah. I don't take that for granted. There's, you know, I've got friends who are on waiting lists, and it's utterly shit. But I think if you can go to therapy, whether it's NHS or private, and you believe you've got things you would like to work through, it is so brilliant and helpful. I mean, that that's beneficial. I mean, I want to ask something based on therapy, you know, for listeners, but actually me, you know, help me as a friend, you know, or, or enlighten me. How did therapy help you? Like, and how could it help me? Because I guess, you know, you could say that I'm ignorant because I know I haven't got my shit together. I know that, you know, I go through a hell of a lot of trauma every single day, you know. I know that as soon as I wake up, I have to question whether I want to be here and I'm impacted by what's happened to me and I miss, I loathe, I crave, I hurt, whatever. But in a way, like, I'm kind of, I'm not cool with what happened. No, you're I'm, accepting I'm, 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 of that. I'm cool with how I feel, yeah. but then I still also don't want to be ignorant to the fact of how therapy could help me as well. Like, So I guess I wanted to get your opinion of, like, because there's going to be a lot of people out there that should talk and need a therapist. Yeah. And there's probably people like me, I, I might need a therapist, you know? Yeah. But so what, what's the... How did it help you? Uh, well, I think it doesn't help everybody. Some people don't need it, and some people work out their own paths and ways of coping. I think it can be extremely helpful if you're feeling stuck. I started therapy when I was feeling absolutely stuck in just I don't feel good and I didn't see any other way out of that. I thought I'm just going to feel terrible forever. Yeah. So I think it is really helpful, first of all, to have awareness of what's going on and why. Some of it might relate to other issues that are before the thing that you felt that was traumatic. Yeah. There are so many different types of therapy. I think it's really important that you... It's trial and error and you find the right therapist, but also you find the right type of therapy. So, for instance, with panic attacks, I found EMDR therapy unbelievably transformative and I need to do, actually do more of it. Yeah. So my anxiety manifested in some strange ways. My anxiety absolutely comes from a place of work and fear around work and outside judgment. Yeah. But it manifested in totally unrelated ways. One of them was driving on the motorway. I literally couldn't do it. I, one day, I had my first panic attack when I was driving on the motorway. I was like, what is happening to me? Yeah. You know, my heart was racing. I wow. couldn't breathe properly. I'd, I'd never had one. I didn't know what it was. This was in my 30s. And so that was the first time. In yeah, the 30s. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. First time out of the blue. That was the first um, time I had one. Really? When I was there, I've only had one. When I was there, really? Well, it's interesting because I don't understand enough about it. Yeah. But I then couldn't drive on the motorway. I didn't drive on the motorway for five years, and I kept trying, and I just couldn't do it. And I had EMDR therapy, not for that specifically, for just general panic attacks, yeah. because. At this point, I was still covering for Zoe Ball on Radio 2, yeah. but I was having uh, these sort of full-on all-night panic attacks where I'd just get these surges of adrenaline. I wasn't sleeping. My heart was racing so quickly for, like, unhealthy amount of time. And I was like, right, first of all, I can't do that anymore, but I love doing it. I love yeah. doing Zoe's show, but I can't do it. Secondly, how do I make this go away? So I had EMDR therapy, which is... 
either using a bilateral movement of the eyes or you can do bilateral physical tapping. So it's all about this sort of bilateral tapping or, or eye movement. And you, um, I don't know if it's the same with every therapist, but I went back cognitively to some very sort of tricky times in great detail. It's pretty gruesome in, yeah. in terms of the recall that you have to have yeah. of moments that haunt you and keep you up at night. And you do the movement while you're, you're, you're going through this process. And I did that for about six months. And then I thought, I'm going to try driving on the motorway. And I felt, you know, a bit of unease, but I did it. And now I'm back driving on the motorway quite regularly and I'm ensuring it's regular. But I don't even know exactly how how it's unpicked it and why I can now do that. And a bit of my brain is sort of closed off. I still wouldn't put myself on a radio show with 8 million people listening live because I don't feel I could do that. Yeah. And I would like to do more EMDR therapy. Yeah. But there's lots of like CBT, other cognitive therapies that can help with specific traumas, panic, just talk therapy if you're just finding things challenging. It doesn't have to be... I think there's still this stigma that you've got to be rock bottom and people will go, oh, I don't really need therapy. I, nothing major's happened to me. If you feel a bit crap and yeah. you're having very regular low moods or you just feel a bit stuck and lost, therapy is a healthy thing to do. Yeah. Just to chat to someone impartial and to have someone give you new tools or new perspectives, I think it's really healthy. So it doesn't have to be this hugely transformative thing where all yeah. of a sudden everything's great. Cause, you know, I still, I need to go back. I need yeah. to do more. I think there's always going to be more. But I think it can be really helpful. And sometimes you just want someone to listen and yeah. just for you to be able to talk without wondering. You know, I had a walk with a friend this morning and I got back and I thought, oh, God, did I just like offload on him a bit? You know, was that... Did I just sort of talk a load of shit at him and now he thinks, oh, God, Fern's a moron? You know, with a therapist, you don't have that. Yeah. <laughs> You're paying them or you've got on a waiting list to get that regular therapy. That's their job, to listen. Yeah. So I think for some people it's just breaking that silence and being able to say, all this weird shit's going on in my head and I don't know if it's okay. Because sometimes you just think, is this normal? Is this normal to, like, for me... I don't want to go to parties. I don't want yeah. to go out and socialise. Is that okay? And then someone goes, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay to not want to do that. Go easy on yourself. Yeah. Sometimes you need someone to do that. So it, 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 there's varying degrees of severity and you don't have to be on rock bottom on the floor to have to go. I just think it's a really helpful thing, but it's got to feel right to you. You might go to therapy and think, no, nope, not for me. Didn't work. Don't need it. Fine. There's other ways, but it is one option yeah. if you're struggling. I guess you know this is this is a real reason you know why I'm enjoying this podcast because I, I believe life's also about being open-minded. And even though I think we share a lot of the same thoughts, I think we have different opinions. So, so we're like where the current stage of life you're at, or now choose therapy. I kind of don't. You know the way that kind of you've made very good and courageous decisions to step out of certain environments which make you feel a certain kind of way and then thrived in other ones whereas I kind of dive head on into the same thing mm. you know into the chaos you know I, I operate best when if I have like an hour I don't know if it's my extreme ADHD if I have like an hour to sit down oh my god that's when I'd have my anxiety attack yeah. if I'm if I'm like overwhelmed I'm kind of like Wow, I find that fascinating. It, well, I wish I was more like that because I would like to test <clears throat> myself more, but I don't feel 
<laughs> I could do it. And sometimes I think, I haven't got the bloody energy to do it. Well, I'm, I'm going to give you something. And, you know, there, there's a lot more to this story. But let's keep it here for now. Yeah. I got to a point, you know, where I was kind of like, I don't know, I'm kind of done. Now, I wasn't done out of, like, panic. I wasn't done out of not being brave enough or not being strong enough. I wasn't done out of, like, this outwilling me. I just kind of thought we gave, like, you know, over nearly £800,000 to charity last, just last year. We, we've done so many incredible things, you know, conquered parts of the world. And I think I wake up in the morning and I think, you know, I've just, you know, ran 100 miles and we've gave this amount to charity. Christmas, I didn't have a Christmas, you know. I, I spent 10 hours a day, so I could only Jamal's Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, Boxing Day, you know. We raised £30,000 for two kids, yeah. And then I wake up the next morning and I think, I'm still on my own. So that's how I kind of felt, you know. So I kind of was in a calm place thinking, I don't really know, because I, I genuinely am not scared of dying. You know, I'm not, it doesn't panic me. I could just, and I think that's what's kind of scares my family a little bit because they know what I'm like. I'm just crazy, you know what I mean? Not crazy in that way, but if I say I'm going to do something, I'll do it. Mm. And then I, you know, I had to sit and I had to, you know, look at everyone around me and thinking, if, you know, if I was to do something, and like I said, I'm going to have to get, I have to get into another ton on that. If I'm going to do something, you know, it's not, yeah, it would probably ease my pain for now, but look at the catastrophic amount of pain it would cause to the other people around me. Yeah. What I'm feeling now, because of the loss of my daughter, I'm going to cause to so many other people around me. Do you know what I mean? And then so I thought, you know, if I'm going to jump, I'm going to fucking jump properly. And I thought, what am I scared of? What am I most scared of? I thought, I suffer from vertigo. So if I go high, I cannot balance at all. If I'm on a balcony and I put my, my hand over the balcony... I feel like I'm going to drop my phone like this. I thought, I'm fucking shit scared of heights. I am terrified of heights. There's not many things I'm scared of. Heights is one of them. But I thought, you know what? If I'm going to fucking jump, you think you're a bad man. Actually, you want, you want to jump, you fucking jump properly then. So then I thought, okay, fuck it. I'll, book, I'll get my skydiving license. Oh, my God. Do you know what I mean? So I went to Spain for a week. I jumped 18 times in seven days. It battered me, I'll be honest. Oh, because, my God. Because the first jump I'd done, I jumped, you jump by yourself. You know, you have two instructors near you, but you jump by yourself. And at that stage of my life, and let's not forget, I, I didn't want to be around anybody. I didn't want to be in public. I didn't, I didn't feel worthy. I didn't feel this. I just wanted to go. I was scared of, you know, heights. I, I suffered from vertigo. There, there, there couldn't have been a, a more of an element against me when I got out there. Someone died the day before hit the ground so I'm there like holy you know, shit thinking like this but I knew what the purpose of me jumping was for mm. you know I wasn't just punishing myself it was like yo listen if I can conquer this now yo everyone else better watch out because nothing's going to stop me and mm. I fought through it and I jumped 18 times in 7 days I was jumping 3 times 4 times a day and after that I knew that I didn't want to jump properly no more. Mm. Do you understand? But it was because every part of since I booked the skydiving trip to when I took my last jump was growth because every single day I was worried. Every single day I didn't want to go out. I was in a hangar full of military, this, that, everybody like this. And every single day was growth. And it was only through kind of stepping out and doing that and jumping out of a plane 
which probably in turn in the end saved my life. I mean, I don't, I, it's hard to even compute because it's such a, an amazing way to live your life, an amazing way to think. And I know, I know that it works. I know that it, it equates yeah. to, you know, you face your fear. It's the, you know, my friend Donna constantly, you know, she's a brilliant sort of mentor friend of mine and she constantly gives us the example of buffalo who are the only animal that run into the storm when there's a storm and they run at it. And I'm like, I know, I know, I need to be more buffalo. But there's something constantly stopping me. Not in every way, because to some extent, even on a very tiny level, doing a podcast scares the shit out of me because I don't want to get it wrong. And I want to make something that is worthwhile of putting out there. So I face small fears every day. But the big ones, like going back into environments that scare me shitless... I have so little desire that I just can't even go near it. And I'm so interested in the boundary pushing and looking at our own limits but if you and don't, comfort zones. But if you don't need to, I think I guess yeah. the, I guess this was the point of the parachute jump. Now you could the, the, that you can't in terms of where I was at, what I had to combat, you, you, you don't really get more extreme and like you can see like, why the fuck did you choose to do that? That was because I knew I wanted to do it. And I knew the benefit of me doing it. Yeah. Now, what's, what's really the benefit of you stepping into an environment that you don't want to be in? Yeah. I don't mean test yourself or push yourself in doing that. Your thing that you might want to do might be the little thing. It might be your daily yoga. It might be your diet. It might be like um, making sure that your podcast is the best it can be, which it is absolutely amazing. <laughs> I've been on it. I loved it. It's my favourite one. Um, but that's probably your test and that's what's required for you to do at the mm. time. Because the minute that you... Let's not forget it Yeah, Sometimes you don't give yourself enough credit. Yeah. The minute you realise you actually definitely do want to do something, you find a way to get there. I think yeah. a lot of people. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't give themselves enough credit. I think I don't think any of us do. Because unless it's like you know, like you say, with the whole Instagram thing, unless it's like a Ferrari or mm. a big mansion or a huge achievement, yeah, you could kind of look at your life and think, I haven't done nothing. Yeah. However, not everybody's got a Ferrari. A lot of people ain't even got the life that you've got. The person who's looking at it, yeah. Yeah. So it's like quantifying it like, that. and that's why I say like with you. Like, you have got a fierce mind because look at the incredible amounts of not only success, but what I class as success is how many people that you've helped. Look at your wonderful family. You know what I mean? Look at the life that you've created through all the shit that you've had. Yeah. That's what you wanted to do. That yeah. was my parachute jump. That's what you wanted to do. Mm. All the shit that you're not bothered about don't fucking matter. Don't <laughs> leave it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I understand. I understand that a lot better now. I think it's... Um... The whole thing is so interesting because, honestly, everything we're talking about is what I've been mulling over the first... What day are we on of January? (sighs) We're early. 11th. 11th. I think Is it 11th, guys? 11 days. I've been literally obsessing over sort of everything we're talking about. I think it is a cliche thing of, oh, my God, it's a bloody well new year. I need to start thinking about, you know, time's going so quickly and I need to sort of get a bit more thought around everything. And it's everything we're talking about and looking at those... Yeah, looking at our own comfort zones, I think, is so important and how much we're willing to push ourselves versus how much we seek comfort. And I get absolute comfort from being in solitude. Yeah. I love being on my own, so I have to push myself constantly to not be, and I'm never quite sure what the correct levels of comfort are. Is it okay to just want to be on my own or should I test myself and get out there more? I think it's... 
all really interesting. But fundamentally, and what I'd say to everybody, you know, we all know the answers to our questions. Mm. We, I now, right, I'm probably going to go against a lot of people and a lot of people are going to say something against it. We all know the answer to our questions. Yeah. We, we 100% know the answer to our questions. When you go to your therapist and she says, like, you know, it's okay to feel like that. You know, you of course you know it's okay to feel like that. Yeah. It, it's the pressure that you're putting on yourself that tells you otherwise, you know. Yeah. A, a traumatic events that happen in our life, you know, like they, they point to that. We, we're all aware of what, what's happened. But, you know, these kind of things, it's like that's why it always comes back down to like, you know, I think if if you can strip it all back and make everything really simple and you can stand in front of a mirror and you think, am I doing the right thing? Am I being the right kind of person? Do I need to change? Mm. You can very much so clearly and transparently answer the young questions to your life. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you something right before we wrap this up, right? Because I do not want to end on one of those negatives. Yeah. We we, we started with love. We're going to end with positivity and blessings. Yes. Yeah. I don't want to put you on the spot, right? But if you could like kind of leave me leave the listeners with something, you know, what would it be? What 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 would be, I don't really know. I see it's really open-ended and I don't want to put that pressure on you, but I want to say like, you know, you being Fern Cotton, you've gone through the things that you went through. You've got to the stages where you have now. You understand where, like, you know, there is strength at the other side of your suffering. You know? Yeah. What would you leave people with? I would say it's something that I've been thinking about again a lot this week because... I haven't been doing it. Mm -hmm. And I think that no matter what your state of mental health is right now, what your circumstances are right now, the best thing, and you might not agree with this, which is even more interesting because okay. of the way you live your life, but I would say be gentle with yourself. Yeah. Go easy on yourself. Because I am my own worst enemy. I push myself to the point where I don't even know why I'm doing it anymore. And I berate myself for not being good enough, having not done enough, achieved enough, whatever it is, enough. And I think a lot of that is through the social media and the way the world works. But we need to go more gently on ourselves yeah. and to go easy on ourselves and to maybe it's even just saying to yourself at the end of the day, well, bloody done that you, well, even if you didn't do anything that day, well, bloody done that yeah. you're here at the end of the day and you're about to put yourself to bed. And with all the stuff going on in your head, well bloody done. I think we all just need to do that a bit more. And, and not wait for other people to go, well done. Say it to yourself. Listen, I agree with you. I agree with you. I think the positivity within needs to start first so you can spread it upon others. You know, fun. You know, I've got so much love for you, honestly, and I really appreciate you coming today. This has been absolutely amazing. And um, thank you very much. Well, thank you. I'm, it's an honour and I'm so happy to see you again today and just keep doing all the amazing things you're doing. It is just, that is a joy of going on social media, seeing what you're doing on every level, you know, inspirational, determination. It's a beautiful Listen, thing. don't start telling me how good it is what I'm doing because, you know, you still owe me one. <laughs> Just understand, a cycle or a run just, or just, just understand, <laughs> you still owe me one. And that is one thing. You, I'll tell you what, since, I was supposed to end it, but since obviously we had our first conversation, right? 
you always, I always think, yeah, Fern's my friend now. You know, I can... We're mates. Yeah, we are. I, but I always feel like I hate asking for things. There's one thing I'm never afraid to ask because you promised me and that was that you need to take part in something. I know. Going forward. What's it going to be? I don't know. I'm just going to send you a list, right? Okay. Of things that are going to happen over the okay. next couple of years and then you just make sure you're ready to, to <laughs> take one on. It can be one of your choice. I don't want to put that much pressure on you. I don't, listen, no, pr- no pressure, no pressure. No be pressure, gentle with yourself. But yeah... We, we, Fuck it, step out of comfort zone. If you're exactly. going to jump, jump and all that, you know, one of them. So, yeah. Could it not be a parachute, though? Anything but the parachute. That would be super cool, though. Oh, my God. Okay. It's, look, I've, I, I keep I, to my word. I personally think, I personally think now, like, oh, that's the worst thing you could have said. Someone, someone, someone told me something when I started my dad, right? You know, oh, I'm going to go back into it. He went, it was like, people at school you know I suffered from a lot of racism and stuff and you know people used to like wait to attack me and my dad because never let anybody know you know you're scared you know because if you if you let someone know you're scared it's it's more of an incentive for them to attack mm. you so now you've been like oh, anything but a parachute jump so all I can think about with no. my ADHD brain now is kind of like parachute jump, parachute jump parachute jump parachute jump I'm really scared of like chilling out on the sofa watching movies and like just eating nice food terrified yeah but I hate doing that so I'll probably just jump anyway okay. alright listen fun thank you very much let's go champ oh my god let's go champ <laughs> thank you for listening to this episode of Fierce Minds Kind Hearts if you are suffering struggling or want to know more about mental health head to mind.org.uk. Remember, your voice will always be heard and there is always someone to talk to.